Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are so excited to be here today. We have a, a wonderful new friend. This, this, this woman, I think, is really going to be our, our friend, not only because she has an interestingly eclectic past, but because what she does now is about building relationships and presence. Yay! <laughs> we are so happy to welcome Julie Schechter with us. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. Um, welcome. And I want to hear about small packages. So let's tell us a little bit about your background, which was wildly eclectic and fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's so it's so fun to be here. So my background, like you said, has taken a lot of twists and turns for sure. So I started out as a dancer. I've been a ballet dancer since I was a little kid, like three or four, was a dance major in college, you know, thought that was really my path. And then ended up taking my sort of first hard right turn and going to law school instead of pursuing a, a dance career. Um, I graduated from Harvard Law School and then spent some time at a big corporate firm uh, doing all sorts of different types of law, mostly in the litigation space, and then decided that wasn't for me, went into entrepreneurship, started my first company, and now I'm working on my second, which is small packages. So lots of lots of turns well that I, I almost have to ask if you're a gemini because talk about right brain left brain i mean you went from being a ballet dancer to being a harvard law school graduate a lawyer and now your current company which is kind of a in interesting ways kind of a meeting of those two minds you started a business and it's very creative and wonderful and the company is called small packages right it is. It's called Small Packages. So we started out trying to help people connect. That's basically the whole tenant behind it. So we do curated care packages for all different life events that are going on in the life of the person that you care about. So whether they're having a new baby or got a promotion or going through a breakup, we have care packages that are perfect for that life event. They all come with a handwritten note. You can send them in just a couple of minutes. So it's a way for you to show up as an incredibly thoughtful friend, family member, colleague, but still keep up with all of the intensity that we have going on in our regular lives. Wow. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about when I was in college and, and they would do care packages, you know, 80 gajillion years ago when you couldn't do emails and texts and all that. And my parents would send care packages. And to this day, I have friends that I went to college with from my soccer team that still talk about my dad's care packages. Like at Halloween, he would send little trick-or-treat bags and he always sent something goofy, but he, it, there's just something to that. You have me like so nostalgic here. And when I moved away from Philly years ago, before I even had kids um, out in Chicago, there was a, there was a, care package from Philly company that would send you like people would send me soft pretzels and tasty cakes. And I still remember every single package and every single person that sent them. There is something to that word care in there. Absolutely. And that's kind of why we decided to sort of focus in on that part of it. Obviously, there are a million ways that you can take care of people with calls and texts and, you know, showing up in person, but when you can't do any of those things, 
a tangible reminder that shows up on your doorstep that somebody loves you and is thinking about you in that moment is just so powerful. So I'm glad to hear that you you've experienced it too. Well, and honestly, there's times where you can't, like when you have a new baby, it's hard to accept people into the home. And, and you said a breakup package. I have a 19 year old going through a breakup. Dear God, Julie, I'm like, can we, can we go to an Island somewhere and not talk about this anymore? But, and he doesn't want people in his face or talking about it, but he needs to like, and, and trying to figure out ways to show him that I care and take his mind off of it has been, has been challenging this summer. And that just sounds incredible to me that you have a package for that. You know, what's so funny about it is we started out with a whole range of occasions, positive, negative, because we knew people wanted to show up for everything. Self-care is by far a bestseller because you can, you know, send that for anything. But second in line is this box that we call something awful, which sounds so morbid and terrible, but it is for when somebody gets a bad diagnosis or something, you know, just when something awful happens and I wasn't expecting it to do so well, but it makes complete sense because there's so often times when you just desperately want to show up for someone, but you don't know what to do or what to say. And so having something turnkey, you can just focus in that direction is just so helpful to folks. You know, there's so much about when I was looking at your background and everything, there's so much about what you say, the whole point of this, this enterprise began as, and I'm looking at a couple of things and words that I wrote down. You talk about the mental load that people have overwhelm the loneliness epidemic. I mean, you know, we live in a world where we think we are so connected and we are, you know, virtually to a bazillion people, Mm -hmm. but we end up losing our connections. And you say relationships are the bedrock of mental health. We've been talking about mental health a lot over here at Brilliantly Resilient, and it's so easy to get caught up in, as you said, everything that we have to do. We tend to think of relationships as this warm, fuzzy place that's always just there, but we have to nurture that too. And yet we don't always have the time to do that. And again, point that you both just made, we don't always know what to do. So this idea of creating something that people can say, I have no idea what to do, but I need to reach out. And this idea of this loneliness epidemic, where did, where did you hook into that? Because boy, did you hit the nail on the head? Yeah. Well, I, I certainly can't take credit for that one. So back in 2017, the former Surgeon General Vivek Murthy sort of coined that term and declared it a public health emergency, which is wild because of course that was way before COVID came along and made it significantly worse. But one of the things that he sort of points out is our communities are just organized in drastically different ways than they used to be. Like most folks didn't use, used to leave their, excuse me, their communities of origin, right? We sort of stuck around in the same place and got a chance to stay long-term with the same people. But now it's so deeply the opposite. Like I'm test case number one. Like I grew up in LA and then I went to law school and I bounced back and forth. And now I live in New York. Everybody that's important to me is scattered across the United States. And so it does become a situation where you really have to develop a skill set that we're never taught. 
and is never emphasized in society or rewarded. You know, no one's giving you a mug that says like number one best friend, <laughs> like you might get it for, you know, at your job or from your kids. But if we don't invest in this, it it's such a detriment to every part of our health. There's a statistic that when you lose the group of friends that sort of bolstered you as you were coming up, it has the same effect on your body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Which is so wild. When I heard that, you almost don't believe it because it's so intense. But you think about what it feels like to have those people next to you, nurturing you, building you up, and what the absence of that feels like, it, it's really true. You know, I'll tell you what, Julie, I noticed, and I talk about this a lot um, in the disability community with having, I don't know if you know my backstory, but my two sons were born blind. They're now 22 and 19. It's 19 that's the reason I'm wearing a hat today because I have a chance to color my gray because <laughs> He's the funniest person in the world, but he makes me crazy. But I always say that my kids and I, I have a sighted daughter. My kids and I have a very unique mother-child relationship because we were kind of forced into that with I had to be their sighted guide. And even my daughter with my sons, they have a very unique sibling relationship because she was helping guide and, and whatnot. And it just, it it as much as it was a lot of work on the front end, when I look back and I see where we are now and the relationship that we have because of blindness forcing that on us, there's a lot of people that are very jealous of, of our, our connection that yeah. we have. But, but I, and I don't know that I would have formed that had they not had that need for me to be right by their side and communicating and, and spending time when they didn't have the friends to spend time with. It's really been quite the blessing, not that blindness isn't the blessing, it's the relationship right. that has developed because of it. You sound like a great mom. <laughs> can you say that louder mom. for the kids in the yeah, other room to hear you? She's <laughs> a great mom. <laughs> so the things that I love about this too, is that we live in a society where bigger is better. I love that these are small, wonderful things that First of all, I don't have to find a place for, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> that is yeah. huge. But there are treats, there are treats that we don't, we would, we don't ordinarily buy ourselves. We never buy ourselves the, the treats. We think of other people for the treats. So to be able to provide that for somebody is just such a delight because it's so unexpected and it's something that we don't do for ourselves. So I kind of want to hear a little bit about what's in the packages. And then I want to hear how you got to build this company, because that's quite a story, too. Yeah, absolutely. So there is kind of a lot of process that goes into it when you're putting together one of these uh, sort of curated care packages. You're trying to sort of mimic the experience of being there for the person. Right. So what that translates into is wanting to have something for the person to experience with all five of their senses so that they feel completely surrounded by the gesture. So that usually translates into something to eat, something to wear or to touch, something to smell, something to do, especially in those, you know, sort of more negative circumstances is really helpful, like a puzzle or a coloring book or whatever it happens to be. 
So we're really intentional about sort of making sure that all of those bases are covered. And then in terms of who we work with, we're really focused on making it values-based as well, because our consumer obviously has a lot going on, but really cares about being intentional with, with their dollar. And so we focus mostly on other small businesses. That's where like 97% of our inventory comes from. Mostly female founded businesses. Uh, we highlight BIPOC founders. We took the 15% pledge, which means 15% of our inventory comes from black founders. Um, so we're just trying to make sure that everything that is in those boxes is something you feel good about sending because it's cool and it's not, you know, some weird little tchotchke or something like that, but that the person who receives it is actually going to use it, feel good about using it. And so it's just sort of a, a virtuous cycle all the way through. You know, I really love the fact that not only are you allowing people who purchase your product to care for others, but you're doing that yourself in terms of, of the mission of the company. And I think that really exemplifies a trend, I think, of a lot of, and I'm going to say women-owned companies. There is that piece, and we talk about this all the time, of the values. The value system, when we tune into that, and Kristen and I have said this over and over, when you make your decisions based on your value system, it suddenly becomes very clear. It becomes very clear who you are. It becomes very clear what you want to, to do and be and where you want to go forward. So is, was that part of your process? I mean, clearly it ended up being that, but when you were initiating this company, did you look at your own value system and say, this is where I want to land? Absolutely. I was really, really careful about that, not just from a, you know, what does today's consumer expect, but also what do we want to do in our own business? Because of course, we're the ones who have to get up every day and, you know, talk to vendors and order inventory and make sure that those relationships that we're building are ones that we feel good about. And could we have ordered product on Amazon to get started? Yes, of course. But it just felt so much better to be able to form relationships with you know, a woman-owned chocolate company in Georgia or somebody who was making beautiful face masks out of, you know, their basement in Nebraska or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And selfishly, it's just more fun also, you know, to get to, you know, highlight and sort of get to know all of these different makers. They're interesting people. So yes, of course, it's like the quote unquote right thing to do to, to highlight them, but it's also more fun for us. You know, you're totally exemplifying a, um, a thing that I was just diving into this week. We're, we're about to go out to um, Denver and do a, a big keynote for leadership of this organization. And I've been really diving into what are the, what are the, the trends, I guess, in leadership now that everything is upside down and inside out and, and things are different now than before. And the number one thing that I'm finding is relationships, about having relationships with, like you're saying, your vendors, your staff, the building things. Like it, it, it's even the stuff I was reading was mentioning about managers. Like, do you have, have you ever asked the person at the front desk about their weekend, what they do on the weekend? Like down to that nitty gritty to have a relationship before you're trying to lead these people 
into accomplishing goals. And and it's no wonder you're having the success and the smiles that you have because you've already figured that out. Yeah, it's it's been huge for us. And it's sort of funny, the more that we talk to our customers, you know, the longer we've been in business, the more we're realizing that not only are the relationships the most important thing, but that it's also where people have the most trouble. Not that they don't want them, but like we were talking about before, everybody's just so overwhelmed that it becomes another entire job to manage and move those along. Um, so that's actually what we're working on now. We're, we're building out technology in addition to the boxes to help people with that piece of it, which we're really excited about. You know, I think as I, I, I referenced this maybe earlier that we think of our relationships as this warm and, and fuzzy place, but the best of them, all of them really to be valuable do require some work, but they are the, they're the first, they're the main thing that fill us. They're the first thing that we let go. Yeah. And, and because, because it's so much easier to tick things off of a little checklist, you know, I picked up the dry cleaning. I made the phone call for the dent. I did this, I did that. I did the other thing, but, Oh, I have to call so-and-so, or I have to do whatever to nurture a relationship that always gets pushed to the bottom of the list. And yet we'll go on to Facebook and we'll comment on somebody that we've never met before because, you know, it takes two seconds. Yeah. So I really love that this is a tangible way to do that. So tell me, I'm interested. Tell me a little bit more about the technology to help people manage. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the direction our company is going. We're super excited about it. Um, so we're rebranding to present. And this technology is basically going to be sort of a personal assistant that sits in your pocket and tells you when to reach out to people, whether it's because there's a big milestone coming up or because a certain amount of time has passed since you have talked to them, and then helps you understand what to do in that moment. So if it's for a birthday or another occasion like that, based on what you've told us about them already, we're able to curate the perfect gift for you to send or the perfect card or whatever it happens to be. And then we handle all of the fulfillment as well. So we're branching out beyond our own curated care packages into whatever it is that works for that person. So you can manage your relationships with fathers and, you know, husbands and, you know, your friends, toddlers, <laughs> whoever it happens to be that you want to take care of, we're able to help with that sort of remembering and fulfillment piece as well. Wow. I, I look at this and I think, you know, some people are going to go, oh my gosh, you know, you, you need a virtual assistant to help you manage your relationships. Yep. 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 You do. I mean, and, and I can see where people would think, what have we gotten to? But the fact is we're there. Like, this is it. We're there. We're not leaning over the back fence anymore to stay in touch with our neighbors. We, we don't do those things. It's just a matter of, you know, of life having changed in this huge exponential way. And unfortunately, these are the things that we forget. I can't tell you how many times the day after someone's birthday, I've gone like, oh my gosh, because Facebook tells you. We need Facebook to tell us when when our birthdays are. Exactly. And that's, that's, really, that's really who we're building this for is people who are only on Facebook for the birthdays, right? Like people who are relying on that because, okay, great. It tells you, 
but then it's that day. So um, if you wanted to do anything about it, more than send a text, you've kind of lost your opportunity at that point. And it's funny that you say, you know, people are sort of embarrassed about like needing a tool to help in that arena. That's really the taboo that we're trying to push against here because we're comfortable in the rest of our lives using tools for everything else that's important, right? To streamline our diet and our exercise and how do we get our kids fed and all of these other things that are crucial, but for some reason, like this is the pillar of life in which we're supposed to be able to like do everything ourselves. And it's just the craziest notion. So we're really trying to break down that stigma. Well, I have to say you, Julie, are not the first one to do this because every Christmas, my mother gives me a handwritten calendar with virtually everything in the family. My <laughs> mom does down the same thing. It. She's my, yeah, there are, but, but we do rely sometimes on, on these kinds of things. I mean, we rely on our own calendars, but like you said, you put it in for the day. And then the, if for some reason you didn't look at your calendar that day, it's gone and you forget about it, but we already need these kinds of things. I'm, I am constantly texting my kids and saying, so-and-so's birthday today, you know, don't forget so-and-so's birthday because we need, we need to bring these things back to the forefront of our consciousness. Exactly. And when you're living in a world where information and noise and stimulus is being pushed at you all the time in all of these different directions, it's almost like and what we're trying to build is a tool that helps push the relationships up along with everything else, right? We could say we should be able to just carry all of this around, but A, that also usually falls to the woman in a relationship too, right? So we're, we're kind of feeling this is sort of a feminist play also, but, <laughs> it but is. even just as an individual, if you take that part out of it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, like somebody should make it easy. So that's what we're trying to do. Oh, and, and I really do believe that this is the heart of what people, people are going to really want this because when I look at my Facebook the things that get the most like, like by probably a 95% margin of engagement are one of my kids' birthdays, my birthday, like the, the relationship type stuff. If something happens, not the, oh, you just got a new car or, oh, you know, it's the relationship kinds of things. When my kids graduate from, you know, high school, college, it's all those things that get the, I mean, like the margin is huge. <laughs> I actually just put on Facebook the other day that in my family group text, I have five, I have four brothers and then all the, the spouses and all the cousins and nieces and nephews are in this one massive group text, right? Oh, wow. And I said, the, the two messages that get the most reaction and people engaged are when it's someone's birthday and my mom posted at seven o'clock in the morning, waking up all the kids, right? That gets everybody engaged. And the other day when the Choco Taco was discontinued, <laughs> that, was a, that was a big one. But, but other than the Choco Taco, it is always the, the birthday or some special event. It's that relationship piece. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, RIP to the Choco Taco. That's a real <laughs> tragedy for sure. I read that the other day. Oh my gosh. I might have to send a package to my brother that can't recover. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That is, 
That is rough. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. So I, one of the other things that we talk about a lot with Brilliantly Resilient is how people can take their transferable skills and move them from one place to another. And you have really, I mean, you've pivoted from one thing to another, to another, to another. But I would venture to guess that there are skills that you have brought with you through each of those transformations that have kind of pushed you forward. So was there anything that kind of runs through your story that you can say, you know, we try to encourage people to look at the things that they have within them and then think of different applications for that? Yeah, absolutely. I I think I would say the first one is probably just pure like grit and, and resilience there, there's a real through line of that. Um, anybody who's taken many years of ballet will tell you that that is a, a pretty intense component of it. Same thing for going through law school and, you know, being, being a lawyer. Um, and that has served me incredibly well as an entrepreneur. I think one of the just primary components of success in in this field writ large is just okay i'm i'm getting up and i'm trying again tomorrow that didn't work let me attend google university and see if i can figure out what the answer is <laughs> etc um and then i think um analytical ability sort of overlaps with that but is sort of a secondary thing as well just being able to drill down into the components of a problem and solve each one separately. So in my ballet life, that was kinesthetic. In law school, that became sort of, you know, from a an analysis and argument perspective. And now as an entrepreneur, it's, you know, piecing out the different components of marketing strategy and product roadmap and all of those all of those different things that kind of roll together. Well, I, uh, I for one, I'm glad that the law thing didn't work out. Because <laughs> I, I, I love too. what you're doing now. <laughs> you. I mean, it's a, it's a noble, wonderful profession. And so many of my friends are still in it. And so I get to live vicariously through them and watch all of their successes in that realm. But I think it, it, it's a helpful thing, you know, to, know thyself. And I, I realized pretty early on that it wasn't for me and that I needed to move in this direction. I have, so my oldest son is talking that. law school. Eventually he just graduated Penn state and he's down with this, this mega dream job in Disney world. And, and, um, but he does eventually want to go in into copyright law with a record label. I mean, his whole thing is music and sound. So he's got this, he's got this plan. And I'm like, where did you come from? Cause I wake up with a new idea on that day and do it. And he's like, plans it all out. That's great though. Thanks, Gil. <laughs> I really love what you just said about it's a helpful thing to know thyself because very often we take a path and if that path doesn't work out, we feel somehow or another like we've failed at that path. Instead of looking at it like, okay, this is a valuable part of my experience and let me see where this is going to take me next. I mean, there are a lot of people who would say that, God, she went to Harvard Law School and she was a lawyer and, and, and she, she left all that behind. But the fact that you were willing to be true to yourself, but take those skills and things that you learned is really um, a, a kind of a blueprint for how we should live our lives. 
Thank you. That's very kind. My mom is a psychologist, so I had a little bit of a, a leg up there, but I mean, I won't pretend that looking at the sort of sunk cost of the years of law school and of course the debt that goes along with attending that wasn't a major factor in making the decision. But I think when you know pretty much right away that something is very seriously wrong, I mean, they call it the sunk cost fallacy for a reason, right? I mean, you at the beginning of a change know that there is just so much out there that could be better. So that's kind of what I lean into, right? Like, okay, you know, that's that's a, a cost that has to be put on the balance sheet, but look at what could happen next. Like maybe it'll turn out even better than anticipated if you go in the direction you're leaning. Kristen, I'm hearing the should be, could be in my head. <laughs> yeah. And I'm loving that, that I think this is a, is a thing that no one talked about before. And now, you know, we're talking with you and see you light up people for so long thought, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get this degree and that's my life's career. And then, and then they don't know what to do when they're feeling weird about, oh, I don't know that I like this anymore, but I said I wanted to do this my whole life. And, and they get so stuck in that as opposed to saying, well, let me try. That was great. That was like, like they say, turn the page and here's the new chapter. Right. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's funny as I'm sitting here hearing myself talk, Mary Fran, we always talk about this in terms of when something horrible happens, you have to turn the page and start a new chapter, but it could also just be your life is pulling you in a different direction and go chase that, go see what that chapter is all about. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wouldn't take any of it back. I really wouldn't. I mean, having gone through a couple of different pivots and now being in this place, I mean, entrepreneurship is just so different from law, like just wildly so, but I don't wish that I had gone straight into it. I really don't. So I think it's helpful to be able to look back and even when things look like this, that sort of crazy crayon scribble drawing, when you're going through it, when you look back, you always see how it fits together. Yeah, oh, yeah. You and you always see those skills that you had, like Mary Fran said, the transferable skills. Sometimes I'm working with a group of people. I used to teach third grade and I think to myself, oh, it's like third grade all over again. And I'll go right <laughs> into like third grade teacher mode and have them do silly things. It's like, it's very helpful with a group of men that don't want to budge on an idea sometimes. <laughs> Wise. I love it. So when, when I was referencing our, our whole could be should be thing we we talk about the fact that you have to let go sometimes of the way things should be to allow for what they could be that doesn't mean that you abandon it that that what you've done completely you, but you take what you've gotten out of that and you put it into the next thing whatever that may be and you know it takes a lot of courage to make those kinds of moves and make those kinds of decisions but i think when you referenced a cost, I think people have to look at the fact that everything has a cost. And do you want the cost to be your mental health, your happiness, your everything else, or do you want the cost to be money that you can figure that out? And, and you're, and you're doing something that fulfills you. Now I'm not suggesting that everybody just abandon their jobs and go out and, you know, blow bubbles all day, although that would be nice, <laughs> but there are ways to find that fulfillment, even if it means leaving something that, as Kristen said, you decided you were going to be for the rest of your life, even if it means leaving that somewhere in the past or a part of it. 
Absolutely. I think it's a little nuts on some level that we expect that from ourselves walking into something. I was 18 years old. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted. I wanted to make a positive impact and I really loved ballet. (laughs) And, you know, so much more has come my way over the course of my life that I'm now able to make increasingly better decisions about how I want to spend my time. So I really sort of think, you know, I guess people have to choose a major or, you know, choose grad school or whatever, but I'm at least going to try, I think, when I have kids to pull back on that concept of, you know, needing to know at first and just what's the next step? Like what's the next best move that you can make with the information that you have now? And you can always iterate. We can always move. Like we are not trees, you know, like we're going to do whatever is the next best thing every day. I love that. Julie, this has been a really delightful interview on so many levels. I'm thinking about chocolate right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm just, I'm, I'm in the chocolate space, but the idea of being able to gift people. Oh, I wanted to ask you one last question. Do people have an opportunity to choose the things that go into their small packages? Absolutely. So we have sort of our core curations for birthday and new baby and whatever it happens to be in case people want to truly turnkey. This takes me two seconds to order, but we also have an entire part of our site that's completely custom, completely build your own, and you can make whatever you want to send. Okay. So anybody who wants to send me something, just go straight to the chocolate page. I'm just saying that right now. Chocolate, chocolate page. Okay. So this has been, as I said, delightful on so many levels. You hit on so many things that are important to us here at Brilliantly Resilient in terms of you know, following your your value system and and addressing your mental health and the relationship building and all of that. Now I want you to tell everyone where they can find you so they can get more good stuff. Absolutely. So our website is just smallpackages.co. So you can find us there. Uh, we are most active on Instagram, which we're our handle is small packages. And if you want to sign up for the beta of our new tool present, you can find that on our website as well. And we'd love to have you be like part of the first crew that helps us make it truly great. So exciting. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, please check out Julie's small packages and look for that new shift over to present. I got to love the both of the play of the actual gift and being present. I love that idea there. Good branding. Thanks. Yeah. Branding. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I'm going to turn it over to Kristen because she remembers everything I forget. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. If you would like to start your week brilliantly resilient every week, sign up for our brilliance bit. It is a look, it's us people. It is a less than one minute read. Ain't nobody got time for anything longer than that to be brilliant. It'll be delivered right to your inbox. Go to brilliantlyresilient.net and you'll see the button to click to add your email. We'll see y'all next time.